And Jim and Denise uh, Rosine uh, are here with us this morning, and I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this weekend. I mean, we've been hanging out, and I mean, we went to Rafferty's, and this, well, we, we hung out and did some stuff yesterday. I mean, we just had a blast together, and, uh, you know, Jim said the same thing that I said when I came here. Wow, I didn't even know all this was up here, you know, and uh, just a, a beautiful area. And uh, and so uh, Jim Rosine is the president of Kids Around the World. Uh, it's an organization that, the way I like to describe it, builds playgrounds in impoverished areas for the sake of being able to build relationships with the church so that an opportunity for outreach among the children and those families uh, can be had. And so those churches then take uh, take responsibility for that playground and maintaining it, but also um, having outreach events and opportunities to be able to um, uh, build relationships with the young families in that region. And I'll tell you, I've been there. I've been on one of these builds of these playgrounds that takes about a week, and, uh, and they wrap the whole playground up in a, a ribbon, uh, and they have a ribbon cutting, and they have this prayer of dedication for the, uh, for the um, playground itself. And I'll tell you, the kids, they're all standing on the outskirts of this ribbon. I mean, it's like they could go right through it if they wanted to, um, just waiting for that ribbon cutting to take place so they could go and get on the playground. It's like they're waiting to go into Disney World or something like that. These areas have nothing for the kids. And so... Um, there's many more things that Kids Around the World does, but that's in essence what Jim Rosine does. And so Jim and I, we go way back. He was one of my mentors. In fact, he was a reference for me in coming to this church. So if you have any complaints about me, uh, blame him. Um, but uh, uh, I could tell some stories about Jim to embarrass him, but then he could do the same about me. So we, all, we both grew up in the same church down in Rockford. So it's just an honor to have Jim with us today. Jim, come on up. Would you welcome him, please? Obviously, those that were on the search committee didn't look at the appendix that I attached to my recommendation, where I had, please attach extra pieces of paper for any additional items you wish to share. I'm assuming that they got lost in the mail. I think so, yeah. What a joy it is to be here. You know, um, as Brian and I were talking a while back about this, I was concerned about the snow. Um... But I am Northern Illinois. We get snow, but I was just was concerned. But Brian has it. It's a missions conference. You have it in February. It's snow. And uh, he sent me a text last weekend because we got buried with snow um, in Illinois. And uh, churches were canceled and Super Bowl parties were canceled. And then we come up here and it's like springtime. Thank you. Thank you. We're ready for the flowers to start blooming and everything else. And so uh, it's been wonderful. Um, Denise and I have been good friends with uh, Brian and um, um, Jen, um, yes, uh, for many years. And uh, when I first began working with children in the church and with young people, uh, Brian was one of those kids. And uh, so when he says we go back, we, we do go way back. And uh, we both had the joy and privilege of being called for our first church to serve, being our home church. And so we didn't have that bad of a, a past that they still wanted us. And uh, and I served there for 20 years as the associate pastor of children's ministries. That's kind of back in the time before they even had a lot of children's pastors and uh, but just enjoyed every single moment. You know, as we sang that last song, and I said this first hour as well, do you know that there's children tonight that are going to sleep, if they can, with no name? Ever thought about that? That there's children tonight 
that are lying their head down on concrete if they get a chance to sleep, and they have no name. And there are so many of these children that won't even make it through the night. And yet we sit and we enjoy the, the beauty and the cuteness and everything of the children that God has blessed us with. But what if we could do something? What if we could do just, what if we could just rescue one child? Wouldn't it be worth it all? Wouldn't it be worth it all just to, to know that we've done something to, to one child? To bring them and to say, not only do you have a name, but let me share with you the name of all names. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And to be able to share Christ with just one child. Wouldn't it be worth it all? I think so. And that's what I've given our lives to, is to children. And uh, for many years, and, uh, and God continues to allow us to be blessed of continuing to, to reach and impact lives of kids all over the world. You know, I'm going to share a story this morning. It's from the Bible. And typically what happens is everybody opens their Bible up and follows along to make sure I pronounce all the words correctly or whatever it might be. But, but this time, I want you to just listen. Don't be distracted by anything around you, but just listen. And for just that brief moment, try to put yourself right into the crowd. Fit yourself right in there somehow. Maybe you're one of the kids. Maybe you're one of the grandparents. Maybe you're one of the disciples. Well, be careful. Maybe you might be Jesus, but I don't know how many. That's one of those things. I think I'll pass up on that one. But, but fit yourself right into the crowd that day. The story that happens that we found in the, find in the Gospel of Mark. And this does come from God's Word. So see if you can hear something different, feel something different in the story today. One day... Some parents were, were bringing their children to Jesus. But the disciples, they, they scolded the parents and, and said, stop bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry, angry with the disciples. And Jesus said, stop. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those, like those children. And I tell you the truth, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of heaven, like a child, will never enter it. Jesus was done. An exciting lesson of which we have from God's word. That story, and could you see yourself in it? Or were you too distracted with something else, wondering, where is this guy going to go? Were you one of the children? Think about it, kids. Here was the chance now that you were going to go see Jesus. Mom got you up early in the morning, probably made you take a bath, wash your hair, because you were going to go see what everyone else was talking about at that time. You were going to go and meet Jesus. Wow. Jesus, you're going to meet him. The excitement. And think of how all of a sudden how excited they were. And then they were let down. And excited again. What a joy that day. Maybe you were thinking you'd be one of the parents. 
can't believe it. My kids are going to meet Jesus today. My children are going to come in. And maybe, maybe Jesus might touch my child. Maybe he might bless my child. What would you want him to say to your child? If Jesus could say something to your children, what would you want him to say to them today? To bless Hold them. Parents, we still want to come in and bring our children to Jesus. That's why your children are here today. And I love seeing the children here. That's why they're here, because moms and dads want their children to come to Jesus. They want them to hear of Jesus. And things haven't changed. So you could have been the child. You could have been the parents. You could have been the disciples. The disciples always seemed to do something that contradicted what Jesus just tried to teach them a chapter earlier. Remember in 9, chapter 9, he, he talked about the importance of child. In fact, remember they were arguing who was the most important? Remember that part of the scene and the disciples were trying to figure out who's the most important in the kingdom and going back and forth and Jesus stopped them and said, wait a minute. And what did he do? Chapter 9, a verse before, or chapter before, chapter 10, he lifts up the children. He said, this is what's important. This is what's important. Forget all that stuff. This is what's important. And he heals the child, and he said, this is what's important. This is what's important. So now here's this chapter 10. The Jesus, Jesus is sitting there. The children are coming to him. And what happens? The disciples who were just with them there now say, No. Stop! Why in the world would you do that? Why would you stop children from coming to see Jesus? The disciples did. They stopped. Jesus, he's too busy. Go back. Go back. Then Jesus, of course, got angry. And then the disciples said, Oh, on second thought, you can come see Jesus. And then there's Jesus himself that was there at that scene. I don't know if Jesus was sitting in a rock, but the pictures I always see hanging in our children's departments always have him sitting on a rock, children around him. And uh, I don't know if that was it, but I sure loved the picture. But Jesus was there. Let's look at what Jesus did for the children. Let's look how Jesus looked at children back then. Because I've got a feeling that Jesus even knew. In fact, I do know he knew what was happening today. Jesus said certain things, and he, and he did things. The first thing he said, he says, let them come. Let them come. Brian, you're right. You know, that scene of holding a ribbon or holding hands or whatever around a playground and letting those kids rush in has never changed. Over nearly 400 times now we've seen that. And everybody writes back, that's the highlight, to see the children running to the playground. Nobody stopped them. And here we see Jesus is saying to the disciples, let them come. Don't put a barrier between me and the children. And here were the disciples. Oh, hold, 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 hold back, hold back, hold back. Jesus was saying, oh, let them come. No barriers. Don't stop them. I remember telling this lesson, I really think it was in Haiti, a group of pastors, and I said, who do you think the disciples were? 
And one of the pastors stood up and said they were the church. And I sat there and I, and I looked at him and I said, the church? Do you mean the church was stopping children from coming to see Jesus? Eighteen months ago, we were in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And there was a, a, a week-long conference that had been planned by Reach Global. It's kind of nice to talk in a free church because you can say Reach Global without having to explain yourself again and again and again. Um, but, and and, and uh, Dr. Tim Addington was part of that. And in that week-long process, there was one hour of a week-long process, one hour that they were going to give to kids around the world to be able to share the importance of children in the church. And we had, happened to have one of our staff guys in South Africa at the time and said, why don't you just go up there instead of us flying in, it's just easier, and talk on that. And he spoke for one hour. Afterwards, when he got done, the bishop of one of the largest denominations in all of the DRC, he was the vice president of the DRC, Democratic Republic, Congo, Council of Churches. Well, that's a lot of C. D-R-C-C-C-C-C, something like that. He came forward and he had tears in his eyes. And he looked at our staff guy and he said, can you help us? And he said, what's wrong? He said, we fear we've lost a generation for Jesus. And our staff guy looked at me, what? He goes, we feel that we've lost a generation Jesus. This isn't a few hundred kids. The Democratic Republic of Congo, this isn't a couple of million kids. This is millions and millions of children. This is, mil- this is a generation that have not yet heard because the church never made it a priority. The church put a barrier up and stopped the children. They didn't create beautiful children's wings for them like what you have here. They didn't have a children's choir. They didn't they stopped the children. They, didn't, they went to Christian schools and never heard of Jesus. They went to Christian schools and didn't learn one thing more about the Bible than when they started 12 years later. They fear they've lost a generation. So many times we put up a barrier. And yet the church doesn't always put, puts, maybe put one barrier up, but the world we're living in creates so many more barriers. You've begun to think of the world of children, not these children. These are precious children. These are healthy children. They're beautiful children. They're yours. But suffering. Do you know that reports come in every day? 40,000 children die every day due to malnutrition and preventable diseases. You're working with Kids Against Hunger, a group we know very well. They'll continue to tell you that every six seconds, one, two, three, four, five, six, a child has died of hunger. It's a barrier. How do we get those children to get healthy? How do we strengthen them so we can share with them not only the love, but the message of Jesus? There's a barrier that's being set up in the world for children this day. They're unwanted. Not only the high rates of abortion, which continue to climb, unfortunately, 
would begin pointing this out, but also, do you realize that there's 100 to 200 million children around the world that call their streets the home? 100 to 200 million children. Millions. I can't even think of that number. 100 to 200 million that every night they don't go home because there's no home to go to. Except maybe in the sewers, and I've seen them crawl into the sewers. I've seen them go into abandoned buildings. I've seen these children. I've been with these children. They have no home. They have no name. There's a barrier being set up to be able to allow these children to not only experience the love of God, but more importantly, to also be able to come to know God's Son, Jesus. There's a barrier. They're victimized. It used to be that wars were fought between armies. But in the wars of the last decade, more children have been killed than soldiers. Children, I'm speaking of children under the age of 14. More children in the wars recently have been killed than soldiers. Two million have died in wars. Four to five million have been physically disabled. And five million have been forced Children forced into refugee camps. And unfortunately, I've been there. And 12 million are homeless. It continues to go on. 15 million children are orphaned. They're AIDS orphans. Their parents have died. And where do they go? 15 million. One million enter... Every year, enter commercial sex trade. Doesn't that make you sick? 376 million. Where are all these millions coming from? I didn't know there were that many children in the world. Oh, there are. There's nearly 3 billion children. But 376 million have to walk at least a minimum of 15 minutes just to get water. I've gotten water from your fountain out there three times this morning, plus a couple of glasses in there. And it took me less than five seconds. Of course, I got stopped on the way there. Think of the world. Think of the barrier that's being set up for these children. And yet, that's over the past decade. How about last year? You ready for some of these that come up from UNICEF? 2014. Think of these numbers. Since Central... In Central Africa Republic, some 2.3 million children have been affected by the conflict, with up to 10,000 to believe to have have been recruited by by armed groups during the past year, and more than 430 have been killed or maimed. 538 children were killed, 3,000-plus injured in the Palestinian Gaza Strip during that 50-day war between the Israeli troops and Hamas. In Syria, more than 7.3 million children have been affected by a civil war. 1.7 have fled the country. In Iraq, an estimated 2.7 million children have been affected by conflict, with at least 700 believed to have been maimed or killed. Some 750,000 children have been displaced in southern Sudan. 320,000 live as refugees. Sickness and disease also have attacked children's health and well-being. 
But the recent outbreak of Ebola in the West African countries alone has left thousands orphaned and some five million out of school. And I got a report yesterday that even with the Russian-Ukraine situation, how many Ukrainian children have been left as refugees and now have nothing to eat? A barrier. Jesus was mad at the disciples when they created that barrier. He was angry at the disciples. He was really upset with those disciples. He was so ticked off with those disciples. He, I don't know what he yelled at them. Of course, he was Jesus, and so he didn't yell, but maybe we thought he should have yelled. But he said, no, stop. He was mad. He was angry. What makes you angry? Does any of those things make you angry? Does he make you sick of what's happening to children around the world? What's happening to our world? Look at the barrier that has been set up by evil people. Can we do something? Let's look at what Jesus did. Jesus was angry. And then he said, we learned from some of other things, other things that he said. He said, such as these. Jesus began to say, these children, such as these. He knew. He knew the value of of which those children had. He knew the value of which they brought to the kingdom. He knew the value of which they would bring to the local church. He knew the value of it. Church did as well. Do you know that 85% of people who make a decision for Christ do so between the ages of 4 and 14? I'm not going to debate if it's 87 or 77. But I will debate, more people come to know Christ when they were a kid. More people do. A study also noted the probability of someone embracing Jesus as his Savior was 32% of those between the ages of 4 and 12. Wow. So if we have these barriers that are separating us from the children... And over here we have Jesus and we have the message and we know this transforming hope of which we need to break through that barrier. How do we do it? How do we get through that barrier? How do we do something to make a difference even in the life of just one child? And maybe more. What did Jesus do? He continued, he loved them. Don't you love that picture? Can't you? My mind, I'm sitting there thinking at one point Jesus was so angry at those disciples. He had to have that look on his face. And he was angry with him. And the next moment, he went like this. Let them come. And there must have been something about Jesus that the children came. They came to him. All they had to do was remove, remove the barrier. Come. And the children came. And he loved them, hugged them, gave him high five. Who knows what he did, but we do know that he, that he touched them and he blessed them. He wasn't afraid of the children. He knew how valuable the children were to the church today. And he knew that they would be the leaders of the church tomorrow. 
So Jesus loved the children, and he blessed them. Love that word, he blessed them. How many times do you just send a note, blessings, or be blessed? It's really a kind of a high level of just being happy. You know when you're really happy beyond just the smile. You know, some days you're happy all the way down to your toes, you know? You're just happy. That's the blessing of which Jesus was bringing to these children. So where do we go from here? How do we begin making a difference? If we know the learn from the lessons of Jesus of which we, we need to break through those barriers to reach these children, we need to love them, we need, need to be able to bless them, what do we do? Some of you might say, well, I'm getting close to retirement. You know, man, I, you know I, I've got a cabin up, go further north for cabins here? This is pretty far. I guess you do, I don't know, you know. You say, I'm just a kid. I'm 11 years old. What can I do? I have a hard enough time just sitting in church, staying awake. How can I, how can I make a difference in the life of a child? Say, I'm a businessman. You know, where do I send my check? You know, I don't want to, you know. Elder, was 70 years old. He was the captain in the merchant marines. He was a Chinese-American, and uh, we became very good friends. An elder was, a, was, because he owned his shipping companies, also had a lot of resources available to him. A lot, he was very rich. One day, God spoke to Elder. And God told him, Elder, you need to go and reach my children. And Elder thought, well, God, I'm 70. Elder, you need to go and reach my children. But God, okay, I'll go, but, but where? And God told him, Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. Former Soviet Union. Muslim control. It's part of the whole Stanville area. The whole Stan location of the Kyrgyzstan. I mean, of all places to go and to, re, to retire to reach children, why not Miami? No. Kyrgyzstan. So Elder Wynn gave his businesses that he had to all his employees. He's turned them over to the employees. This is now yours. Met with his family. He said, you know, you all are very successful in life. Very done well. Your children are set. You don't need my money. I'm going to take my money, your mother, my wife, and we're moving to Kyrgyzstan. And they did. God told him, they not only go to Kyrgyzstan, but to start Christian schools in Kyrgyzstan. Unheard of. But Elder never took, never said no. Went into the Minister of Education in Kyrgyzstan and walked right in and sat down across the desk and told the Minister of Education, I, I need to get a permit to start a Christian school in Kyrgyzstan. Now this is the government, so you're going to the government asking to get a permit for a Christian school. The minister of education looked across the desk and said, you, you, you want to do what? Because I, I need a permit because I want to start a, a Christian school here in Kyrgyzstan. The minister of education once again said, this is Kyrgyzstan. We're former Soviet Union. You know, I mean, we're, we're Muslim controlled and you're coming in here? And you're asking me to give you a permit to start a Christian school? And I said, well, yeah, that's what they told me I had to do, that if I wanted to start a school, 
I got to get a permit. But you're going to start a Christian school? He goes, well, yeah. Are you going to teach the Bible? Elder sat back and said, well, yeah, it's a Christian school. Are you going to teach about Jesus? Well, sure, because that's in the Bible. You actually walked into my office to get a permit for a Christian school in Kyrgyzstan. He goes, yes. Minister of Education pulled the drawer open, took out a form, signed it, said, here, he says, you're the first Christian that's walked into my office being upfront, honest, and truthful. Go start your Christian school. He's got four Christian schools in Kyrgyzstan and the only Christian university. He's 82 years old right now. And he's still going and reaching children for Jesus. There was a barrier. Some thought it was communism. Some thought it was Islam. He said, if I share the love of Jesus and teach the children, they'll learn. And they have. Mallory. Mallory, when I met her three weeks ago, 14 years old. 14 years old. Young girl. In fact, she told me that when she was younger, of course, when you're 14, you don't think you're too much. I never thought younger was much less than that. But uh, she said when she was 11 years old, she went to a concert. It was the Ugandan Children's Choir concert at her church in Tennessee. And after the concert, Mallory, at 11 years old, listen to this, children. At 11 years old, her heart was broken for these children. Some came to her house and stayed that night, and she got to know them. And she started friendships with them at 11 years old and began sharing communication, found out something that about the villages where these children were coming from, where some of their friends still are, that there are children that do not have enough to eat. And so Mallory, at 11, began to raise funds to feed these children in these remote villages of Uganda. When I met her three weeks ago at a conference, she shared with me that she's raised over $50,000 as an 11-year-old. She has been able to have several villages. In fact, I saw a video of her the other day when they were carrying her in. She was like 12 when she went into Uganda the first time. They put her in a chair going into that little 12-year-old girl. Because she decided to do something. She heard about children starving in Uganda and said, I can do something. And she did. And now at this conference, they took an offering for her and they were able to complete another whole village. And uh, all because of an 11-year-old girl, now 14, that says, I want to make a difference. I want these children to hear of Jesus. But if they're starving... They'll never hear it. Denny. Denny was a member of our church. And uh, he was a a businessman. And uh, usually in the church, the businessmen in churches, when you missions, it's always, you know, all right, how big of a check do you want me to write? And, you know, I'll move on. But Denny had a different idea. Denny always had loved kids. He was very creative, very... Too many ideas for one person to have. That's for sure. But Denny had an idea that one day he was going to um, gather some people together and, and build a playground for children of our sister city in Ukraine. Rockford, Illinois had a sister city just outside of Kiev. And so Denny got men together and shared an idea with them and they all said, yeah, and they went over and they built a playground. Gave it to a gift, beautiful playground, a gift to the children of, the, of our sister city. 
A few months later, I was traveling into that same area. Our church had adopted a church there. It's kind of the whole sister church, sister city type thing. And, and I was working with an evangelist, and we were coming in, and uh, he would do these massive crusades, and the children would come running out, um, and I would get them, which I just thought, man, I had died and gone to heaven. I, can, I don't have to talk to the adults. I can talk to children. And we had a great time with them, and we went into the old pioneer camps and the schools. Well, afterwards, Denny was also with us on that one. And I remember riding in the back of the bus, and he said, you know, I got an idea. Why don't we take this playground idea? And we know that it meets the physical needs and the social needs and, and the emotional needs and so many other things, just the whole issue of play. And what if we combined it with what you're doing with the church and reaching children? And what if we could elevate the presence of the local church or fulfill God's ministry in a city to be able to reach and impact more children through that gift? I said, sounds fine to me. So we called the mayor back of our sister city. said, can we come and build you another playground? This was 1995. Communism had fallen a few years earlier, and even though he was a communist mayor, he had to be reelected. And what a great way, what a great campaign to run on is that I brought two playgrounds to the city now, huge playgrounds. And so he said, sure, you can come back and build another playground. Well, then we started asking him some questions. If we come and build you another playground, can, can we go into all of your schools and talk to the children? Well, he instantly thought, what a great idea. The children of our sister city need to see the Americans. They've never experienced, you know, English and stuff. Yeah, you can do that. Well, if, if we go in and speak to the children, can we talk to them about the Bible? Well, now the mayor thought. He, he said, are, are, you, are you sure you're going to bring in that other playground? He said, yeah, we're going to bring it in. Okay, you can go in and you can go into the schools. You can talk about the Bible. If we go into the schools and talk to the children about the Bible, can we give every child in your city their very own Bible? 1995, these children never had a book in Ukraine. Maybe there was one book that the teacher had, very impoverished. And the mayor thought for a moment. And he said, are you sure you're going to bring that other playground in? We said, yeah, we will. You know, we went in with that second playground. We combined with the local church, small little Baptist church. Took teams, three teams each, and went out, scattered through the community, went into every school of, this, of our sister city. We did puppets. We had clowns. We had chalk art. We had everything. We told them the value of the Bible, what God's word is, how to read the Bible, so many things about it. And then we passed out a Bible to every child in our sister city, over four. 15,000 Bibles went out to those groups. And we sat back, began to see with Denny's idea that maybe a playground could open up some doors. Maybe a playground could really break through barriers that have been existing for years to reach kids for Christ. And we have. We continue. We're we're doing so much more, as Brian said, than playgrounds, but all because we want to reach just one child, and maybe two, and maybe three. We're doing church planning. Not us, the playgrounds are. Can you imagine the instant rapport of a church planner coming in and quickly being able to elevate their presence? We're going into unreached people groups, building playgrounds. We've been in North Korea, 
building relationships with orphanages. And that's another story in itself. Oh, and by the way, the bishop in the Democratic Republic of Congo, it just took one man. One man to recognize there's a problem in my country. One man. There's a problem in my country. Children are graduating from Christian school with no greater knowledge of the Bible than the day they walked in. We have teachers that are teaching in our Christian schools that have never come to faith in Christ. In fact, they believe in more of the cults than they do in Christianity. And he went on and on. He says, we've got to make a change. Will you help? So with the assistance of Reach Global, a wonderful partnership relationship we have with Awana International and kids around the world, and I was hoping to give a report so bad. I keep looking, and uh, it's today. It's a one-year celebration. We're hoping to hear of thousands of teachers, children's leaders, that have finally been able to develop a program, a two-hour program to reach into their communities and then to be able to tell children of Jesus, to break this barrier that the church, that the country had once built, to break it down, to destroy it. Their goal in Congo is to see 20 million 20 million children come to know Christ. Who ever heard of that? I haven't. In fact, when I hear it, I said, that's your goal, not mine. I'm just, I'm blessed with 10. 20 million. So we're hoping that even this day, but one man. So what's it going to take? What's it going to take for you? For your family? There's barriers that are stopping children from coming to know Christ in your community, in this world. What can you do? Don't say nothing, because there is something that you can do. There is something that God's chosen for you to be involved with. And might just be one child, and that's okay. Because if you took one and I took one, that's two. We can do that again and again. Let's make a difference life of children. Let's see them come to know Christ. Let's, let's transform their world. Let's pray. Father, as we have gathered, we're grateful. God, that we can sit and, and enjoy the fellowship, that we can enjoy the warmth. We can enjoy the blessing of your children as they sit with us and as they sing and participate in worship and how grateful we are for that. And yet, God, we do know that it's not the way it is around the world. That, God, evil people, Satan, have have built up barriers. And, God, as your church, let us begin destroying those barriers. God, we want to be part of seeing children come to know you. But this we ask in the wonderful, most precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.